0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. From the podcast team at Qalam, we wanted to wish you a very blessed Ramadan. This month, you can expect daily uploads that will include reflections, khatiras, and khutbas, all from our new campus, Alhamdulillah. If you benefit from this content, please give generously at supportqalam.com. 100% of your donations goes towards the means of providing accessible Islamic knowledge to people around the world. Jazakumallah khairan for listening. Bismillah rahman rahim Alhamdulillah. 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 Wa kafaa. Wa salamun ala ibadihin ladhin ashtafa. Khusususan ala Sayyidi Rasuli wa Khatim al Anbiya' wa ala alihi laskiyya' wa ashabihi latiqiyya' amma ba'adh. There are so many favors that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showers us with each day. And if we were to attempt to take account of the favors of Allah, just in one day we would fail. Let alone his generosity and kindness from the moment that we've entered into the world and long before that. Developing the ability to be grateful and thankful is central to your individual growth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran, وَقَلِيلٌ مِنْ عِبَادِيَ الشَّكُورٍ That very few of my servants are grateful and thankful. Many of us take the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we have for granted because we've known no life other than this. And as a result of that, we become entitled. That if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts us in a situation that even is a small bit compromising, we begin to shout and scream and make noise and become frustrated and agitated like a child. This lesson of gratitude is one that needs to be embedded in the individual from a young age. Parents dedicate their lives to looking after their children. It is imperative that those children be taught every day that it's your responsibility to thank your parents. When your mother cooks food for you and serves it to you, the bare minimum you can do is say, may Allah reward you, my dear mother. Thank you, mom. When your parents drive you to school each day, you can't pay them financially because they're not interested in that. But the currency you can use in that moment is making dua for them. The Prophet ﷺ teaches us that to a person that good is done, for him to say, May Allah reward you with good, indeed that individual has exceeded in praise. This person has fulfilled the first step to this. Now, there are other ways for you to show your gratitude. It's amazing that we allow individuals in our families to get away with life without teaching them the lesson, the simple lesson of gratitude. That after we take our children out for iftar somewhere, or after we take them for a meal, we turn to them and ask them, is there anything you'd like to say? Or are you just going to eat and ask for dessert and run to the car? Would you like to take this moment to thank your mother and father for the sacrifices that were involved, for the love involved in this happening? You came to the masjid today, would you like to say something to your mother and father? Your mother is not an Uber driver that picks you up and drops you off from school every day. The bare minimum you can do. And as parents, if we don't teach them this lesson from a young age, tomorrow they will be entitled and they will deal with us the way unfortunately we as an ummah treat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That the moment Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't give us what we want, we throw a fit of rage. Both of these are parallel. There is a shukr that happens with people that you learn to be grateful there, and then it transfers over to our gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why Rasulullah said, Man الناس, the one that has not been grateful to people has not been grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because you learn gratitude by interacting with other people. That when someone does something nice to you, big or small, you appreciate it. If an air hostess gives you water or a drink on the plane, you don't just nod your head and walk on. You say thank you. When someone offers you something, you appreciate it. When your barista gives you your cup of coffee, you thank them for a moment that I appreciate what you've done. When the janitor cleans the office or the washrooms at your workplace or at your school, you walk past them and you greet them and you say, thank you for your service. It means a lot to me. It takes a heart for this. It takes an eye for this. It takes for a person to pay attention to the detail. When you exercise this with human beings and you learn to say, Jazakallah, and you learn to make dua for them and appreciate them, this then transfers over to how you interact with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Most people are not able to accomplish this, therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, wa min that very few of my servants are thankful. In another place of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if you are grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will only increase you. In another place of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that many people who end up in the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in reality is because they didn't learn the lesson of gratitude. And if a person doesn't learn the lesson of shukr, the opposite of that is kufr, to be ungrateful. Therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, مَا يَفْعَلُ اللَّهُ بِعَذَابِكُمْ إِنْ شَكَرْتُمْ That Why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punish you if you are grateful and if you believe in Him? Not being grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at some point leads a person to being in a state of kufr whether it's lughwi or istilahi, whether it's technical or linguistic, but a person enters into a state of being ungrateful to their Lord. And that is a compromised and very dangerous place to be. Think about everything that you have in life. When you're sitting at home and everyone's gone to bed and you're just sitting on your sofa, sipping some chai or some tea after your meal, thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the peace that we have. Thank Allah for that sofa that you're sitting on for the house that you reside in, for the cup that's in your hand, and for the beverage that's inside that cup. Because many of us will admit that just two, three generations ago, our grandfathers could have never imagined owning a leather sofa, let alone everything else in that equation, everything else in that picture. If someone were to tell my grandfather that one day your grandson, Hussein will own two cars, one family car, one personal driving car, he wouldn't believe it. He would say that's impossible because he was a humble man. He lived his life sitting on the ground and there was a small little charpai, a platform that he would sleep on and then sit on the ground again and play, you know, play some cards with his friends and go to the masjid and that was his life. There was nothing beyond that. The sophistication that we have today, all the amenities that we possess today are a blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them, he has full authority and right to also take them. And this puts us in a position of first and foremost being grateful. Second thing, be humble with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. A very important lesson. Don't be arrogant and boastful. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you wealth, you don't need to make other people feel bad about it. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you certain blessings, like you may have a great job, or you might have extra beauty, or you may be more strong than the person next to you, maybe you have... More knowledge and you're more intelligent, objectively speaking. You don't need to make other people feel dumb about it. You know, one thing our Sheikh would say that if you're in a conversation with someone, and in this conversation, you see the person in front of you is wrong, convey to them in a nice way that what they're saying is categorically wrong. But after you've done that, don't use your intellectual superiority to make a fool out of them publicly. Because at that point, you're just feeding your own nafs. You're just enjoying yourself, you're bullying, on some, you're bullying and picking on someone. It's time for you to step away. You've said your piece, you've said it with nasiha, you've given your dalil, your argument, now walk away from that person and make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives both parties tawfiq. Imam al Taala said this, that you never debate with a foolish person. Right, and then he explains why, but anyway, so stay humble. Tawadu' is a beloved trait to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To this regard, Rasulullah sallallahu tells us, man alillahi raf'ahu Allah. The one that humbles himself for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is elevated by Allah azza wa jal. Be humble, be simple. And an easy way to develop this humbleness is by doing khidmah of other people. Be in the service of humanity. If you see someone that's in need, don't just drive past them. Stop for a moment, go and help that individual. It isn't appropriate, it isn't right for you to see someone that's struggling and for your heart not to feel anything. You should think, to people who are arrogant, they don't stop for anyone. Because for them, the only thing that matters is their life and their goals and their objectives and they couldn't care about anyone else. Imam Abu al Ghazali points out something, he says that you should, develop humbleness, not just through your actions, because if a person only has humble actions while arrogant intentions, it's very fake and people can see right through it. What you wanna do is build a humble perspective. And that is by creating humbleness in everything that you do. So he gives an example, that when you look at someone older than you, don't think that they're weak and frail and I'm superior because I'm young and strong. Rather think, that this individual has spent more years worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they must be more beloved to Allah this doesn't mean that you need to speak low of yourself and think of yourself as trash because we are told that a muslim does not degrade himself a muslim does not degrade herself people they throw silly titles before their names to express humbleness you know kalb tariq the dog of the road this isn't appropriate Someone says, fil Like silly titles like this that are meant to show a person's humbleness, humbleness is not acquired through titles. It's acquired through perspective followed by humble actions, <coughs> right? He, similarly, he says that if an old person looks at a young person, you shouldn't be arrogant and think that you're superior because you're older or more, more wise. Rather, you should think that this person has spent fewer years in the world Therefore, this person has fewer sins and maybe this person is more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says that when you look at the trees and look at the animals, tell yourself that they aren't mukallaf They won't be held accountable in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in some way they have their superiority. Now ultimately we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the insan a rank above all other creation. That's established in the Quran. This exercise of his that he's proposing is more to change perspective in yourself. Sometimes a person looks at a non-Muslim and says, that kafir there, I'm superior to him. To that Imam Ghazali says, you should think that the only way you know whether you're superior or not is if you have taqwa and the value of your taqwa will only be known on the day of judgment. What if this person dies with iman and what if you die with kufr? Where is your arrogance gone now? Don't look at other people, be humble yourself. Rasulullah ﷺ was in the khidma of everyone. He was in the service of everyone. The Prophet ﷺ had no problem with looking after children. The Prophet ﷺ had no problem looking after widows. Nabi Wasallam had no issue of visiting a young Jewish boy on his deathbed to go and check up on him. And it was such a profound experience that this man then accepted Islam. He became Muslim on his deathbed. He looked towards his father and he said, Qasim, Listen to him, he is a good man. And the young man accepts Islam before his death. One of the most powerful things that you can offer to another human being Is a genuine humble experience It's one of those things that once you experience it, you never forget it When someone is humble with you, when someone is kind to you And the same thing goes with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That when he sees his his, his servant being humble Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala marks that deed in their book of deeds At a place that no other deed could even reach be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and true gratitude will offer you humbleness. Now one thing I'll tell you here, when you're doing ibadah, any worship, let's take salah for example, what you take from your salah will be based off of what perspective you have before you enter the salah. So what are you thinking to gain? What is this salah offering you? Now this is a fascinating question. And if you really come to the root of it, it is a important part of improving the quality of your sajda and your ibadah. To understand what kind of perspective a person should have when they worship, let's turn to Rasulullah sallallahu Because Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa was asked this exact question by his beloved wife, al Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu anha. The question is, right, that, you know, why are we worshiping? Why am I doing all of these sajdas? What's the purpose here? Someone says to fulfill an obligation, another person says to earn Jannah. So she asked Nabi Sallallahu because the Prophet Sallallahu would stand long hours at night worshiping until the point that his feet would swell. So she asked, O Messenger of Allah, why do you pray even though Allah has forgiven all of your sins? Because from her perspective, Salah was the most powerful eraser. It was, an, it was a tool of expiation and she was right. That's a perspective to Salah. Inna anil wal Munkar. However, Rasulullah response is profound because he said, "Afala Shakura." Should I not be a grateful servant to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? Now hold on to the shukr and start your Salah. That you know throughout the day, Allah has been so kind to you, and you haven't had the chance to thank Allah for His favors. And now when you think of Salah, you're thinking that these next five minutes are about my gratitude to my Lord. That when you're in sajda, you're just saying Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la with the perspective that I'm being grateful to my Lord. He deserves this and much more than I can ever offer. But he asked me to do this, so I will do this with honor. And this will be my token of gratitude, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, Subhana Rabbi al This is what we call Shukr Fi'li. That a person shows their gratitude through their actions. their shukr qalbi, lisani, and fi'li. That there is a gratitude that occurs in the heart. And we talked about this, that learning to be observant and understanding, having those conversations in your heart, that you are, you, you, you can first and foremost see the blessings. Because that's, comp- that's an accomplishment itself. Most people are blind to the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they don't see them. And then there's a person that begins to see them. One of the most common... Uh, uh, feedbacks that I get from young men and women from our Muslim community that take like a science class or they're doing pre-med or they're actually in med school is that it's so amazing how many blessings Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has packed in the human body. And it's a discussion of its own, right? Maybe one that would require many sessions. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells us of this, that for every joint in your body there is a sadaqah due. Every joint in your body, there is a sadaqah due because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects it for you. And then he told the companions, pray two raka' after sunrise and you have completed that, that, that task of yours. You fulfilled the gratitude on behalf of the, the, the health that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you in your bones and in your joints. So there is a shukr qalbi, which involves being grateful in the heart. Then there's shukr qawli or lisani, which is for you to say, Ya Allah, Allahumma lakal laka shukr or any variation of that, where you're glorifying Allah, you're praising Allah, and then there is the action that comes in, and that's where salah fits in very well. Be grateful for everything, for Iman, for the ability to be sitting in this masjid right now, for the longing to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for family, thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Ramadan, thank Allah that today your family was healthy and safe the more you thank Allah, the more He will give you. Like any parent in the world, if your child after every every time you give them something, if they smiled and said, mama, baba, thank you, would you stop giving them? Is it possible? No, because you enjoy it. That I want him to say thank you again. So you know what, I'm gonna give you another, and I'll give another, and I'll give another. You keep thanking, I'll keep giving. This is the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? There's a poem in Arabi regarding this, where the poet says, "I'm forgetting the first part of it." Well, he he, he says, "Wasil I'm forgetting the first part of it. He says, الذي أبوابه لا Do not ask another person for a favor, rather ask Allah whose doors have never been veiled and never been closed. Allah يغضب إن تركت sualahu. because Allah becomes angry if you stop asking Him. while mankind becomes angry if you ask them. If you stop asking Allah, He becomes angry. Then why did you stop asking me? Like a mother who finds out that her child went to the neighbor to ask for milk. The mother says, why did you go there? Why not me? What kind of crime is that? What did I do to you? That you went to someone else to ask for food when your mother's alive? (inaudible) Allahu yaghdab intarakta tarakta? wa baniya Adam, hina yus'al, yaghdab. While mankind gets frustrated, someone asks you for money once, twice, thrice. The fourth time they ask you for your power tool, what do you say? Home Depot's over there, buddy. Okay, cost 10 bucks, go buy your own. حِينَ يُسْأَلْ يَغْضَبْ They become angry when you frequently ask them again and again. When you develop this state of humbleness, it leads you to a third point that I want to discuss today. Today we're going to discuss four points. Our session may run a little longer, but I wish to complete the series today, inshallah. It'll lead you to the fourth thing. And that is... If you have gratitude and humbleness, it will lead you to the third thing, and this third thing in my humble opinion is the jewel of the crown. And that is rida bil qada. The other day we spoke of reliance on Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Reliance on Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala is tawakkul is a very difficult thing to acquire if you don't have humbleness and shukr. You can't actually have it. It's just a statement. That I rely on you? How can I rely on you if I'm not grateful to you? Because if I'm grateful to you, then I acknowledge your presence and power in my life. But ya Allah, I don't have shukr, so I don't acknowledge your presence and power. How can I really rely on you? And then the second thing that we talked about today was tawadu, humbling yourself. If you aren't humble, and things happen out of line against what your mansha is, against what you desire, you become angry. Rida bil qada is the crown jewel here and what that means is your reliance on Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala reaches a place You've done so much shukr in your life, so much shukr in your life. You just keep doing shukr and keep doing shukr. And the more you thank Allah, the, the deeper your heart sinks into your chest. And you feel like thanking Him again and then again and then again. And a point comes where you enjoy thanking Him and you appreciate this alertness and awakeness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has brought you into. That for the shukr, you want to do more shukr. The fact that He's allowed you to do this shukr. That now you reach a place. Where you're no longer angry with your Lord And you're happy where you are in life That I'm happy here That whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destines for me I'm happy to be here The big problem that human beings have Is that they feel like they're at war with their Lord Something we spoke about two days ago How this is a big problem that challenges the iman of people That they feel that their Lord has done them wrong That Allah has betrayed them bil Qada, When a person is content that wherever I am, I'm happy because my Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put me here. He's loved me so much. He's showered me with so many favors that it is impossible that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would ever put me somewhere that was intended to harm me. Every moment of life, every scenario we encounter is nothing short of an amazing opportunity. An opportunity that's waiting for us to go and conquer it. Be happy and content with where you are in life. Gratitude, humbleness, being content. You can't constantly be angry. Something I spoke about last night at another gathering. That as Ramadan wraps up, some people they get very frustrated and they're angry because they feel that I had all these goals that I wanted to accomplish this Ramadan but I wasn't able to accomplish them. I wanted to fast like this, and do this much tilawa and do this much qiyam, but then work happened. But then school happened. But then my children happened. And because of my children, I couldn't go to qiyam. Many mothers, they say this. Because of my work, I couldn't do thought of the masjid, or I couldn't be regular in my taraweeh prayer. So we're frustrated with our circumstances. Embrace them. Understand that where you are in your life, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put you there. The best you can do is try. Be humble, be thankful, and keep trying. The greatest example of this that we can find is of an individual who lived during the time of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, but his circumstances did not allow him to meet the Prophet of Allah Uwais al-Qarani. Imam Hakim Rahmatullahi alayhi narrates this hadith in his mustadraq of a man who lived in Yemen, not far away. And all of his buddies were going to meet Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Like sometimes in life people are going to the masjid and they're doing amazing things and someone's going for Umrah and someone's going for Hajj and someone's doing this and someone's doing that. And you're sitting there thinking, what about me? One Urdu poet said, gaye, sab madine ko gaye reh gaye." That I sit here thinking of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa while Tears are flowing from my eyes. Sitting here thinking of the Prophet of Allah causes tears to flow from my eyes. Why? He's standing at the port and he sees the ships are departing to Medina. So he's just sitting there thinking of the Prophet of Allah crying and then he says the next part سَبْ That yet again everyone has gone to Medina and I'm standing here on land waiting for my turn. That when will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me the chance? And that's the, the, the struggle of life. Sometimes your a'mal are way ahead, while your niya is behind, that you have all the opportunity to do good, but you're not spiritually there. And then sometimes you're spiritually present, but your a'mal don't catch up, and you're just playing this race where you're back and forward, back and forward. Uwais al-Qarni, he missed the opportunity of meeting Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa You know how angry this man could have been with life? You know how frustrated he could have been? And you know why he didn't go meet Nabi sallallahu alaihi Anyone know? Khidmat um He was serving his, his mother. Maybe he could have been angry with his mother that because of you old lady astaghfirullah, I didn't get to meet the Prophet of Allah. Kept it in his heart. He did what was right. He followed life in the circumstances that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala presented him with. If you ask me, he must have maybe thought for years that I do the right thing or not. Did I choose the wrong one? And then he came to Hajj one year during the khilaf of Umar ibn al-Khattab an, And Umar عنه, was in front of the congregation and he said, Afikum Ahlul Yemen, where are the Yemeni people? They stood up. And then he said, Afikum Ahlul Qarn, where are the people of Qarn, they stood up. And then he said, Afikum Uwais, where's Uwais? They said he's in his tent over there. Amir al-Mu'mineen Umar ibn al-Khattab went to his tent. And he laid eyes on this man And he said to him The Prophet of Allah gave you his salam A man who figured out life Whose circumstances held him back From meeting Nabi But where he couldn't meet the Prophet of Allah Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa Came to meet him through the salam of umar La ilaha illallah Don't let your circumstances hold you back Don't be angry with life You all have your own challenges and that's the beauty of life That the further you go down this path and the more you keep pushing yourself And you're grateful to Allah for what you have and you're patient And you're not angry with maybe having a child that's sick or maybe having a parent that's not well Or maybe not having a job that pays for you to go for Hajj every year You're happy with where you are Because you know that your Allah put you there And wherever you are, whatever dark corner of the world you live in You can always find your Allah in your heart In your sajda, in the masjid, in the Quran He will always be there for you Sometimes it's that desire of missing out That is beloved to Allah Because it shows how much a person really wants that ibadah What it means to them You keep pushing You start off with being angry because you're almost there but you miss it That I almost fasted or I almost did this, this Ramadan But I couldn't do it, I was pregnant You know, you, you keep missing it And then a point comes where you begin to realize That the struggle for loving Allah Isn't the journey, it's almost the destination itself Because meeting that objective of Finding the love of Allah and being rewarded for it That's Jannah inshaAllah وَرِذْوَانُ min That Allah promises there When he meets his servants, he will say that for you today is my pleasure. In Jannah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to the servants that for you is my pleasure and you will never experience the anger of your Lord. That's it. That's the end of that. وَرِذْوَانُ مِّنَ اللَّهِ akbar? Connect yourself to the gatherings of righteous people. Specifically as Ramadan ends, don't abandon the masjid. The saddest day of the year for me is the day after Eid. Because what happens that day is that the ummah that was there for 30 days on Eid day, the poor masjid becomes Yateem. No one's there for it anymore. In one day, they forget about Salah. In one day, we forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Love can't be washed away like this, my friends. You have to commit. And keep coming and know that every time you come to these gatherings, the angels descend and they surround these gatherings and your name is mentioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah promises you Jannah and protects you from the fire of hell. This is a longer hadith that I'm abbreviating before you. What are they asking for? They ask you for Jannah. Have they seen it? No. Then tell them I have given them Jannah. And then at the end of the riwayah, one, one version says that, Oh Allah, there's one person that was just passing by. He wasn't even there to listen to the lecture. He wasn't even there for the dhikr. He was just passing by, maybe serving someone water. To that, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said, "Humul qawm la yushqa jalisum." That is a group of people that are so beloved to Allah that anyone that even casually joins them will not be deprived. "Humul qawm la yushqa jaleesum. Never leave these gatherings. The Prophet Sallallahu said that when you see fertile lands, graze. And what are these fertile lands? majalis al-dhikr gatherings of dhikr gatherings of the recitation of the Quran lock yourself down and the last thing that i'd like to say and with this we close this series of ours of ramadan that we started 30 days ago a brief discussion on treading the path to allah and that is never stop making dua to allah keep calling out to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wherever you are raise your hands and call to allah no matter what your sin is, no matter how dark it is or how bright it is outside, make a habit of talking to Allah. My sheikh would say to us, if you ever have the courage to gauge what kind of a relationship you have with Allah, see how long you can make dua without getting tired and bored. Because a friend never gets bored of speaking to a friend. For many of us, that threshold is two minutes, one minute, Five minutes, 10 minutes into the du'a and you're in salah, you're saying, Imam Saeed, do (laughs) ruku'a. Astaghfirullah. (laughs) Imam, afwan. (laughs) While there are others in this gathering that when he's doing ruku, what are you saying? No, no, don't do ruku. keep going for another one hour. We need more of this. We need more dhikr, we need more du'a. Which camp are you in? So my suggestion, my advice here is, Every day dedicate 5 minutes, 10 minutes to du'a. Maybe after salah, maybe before salah. Maybe while you're in your car, maybe before you go to sleep. Choose a window of just 5-10 minutes, simple, and make du'a. When you're making du'a, there are two things that I suggest. Number one, incorporate some Qur'anic du'as and prophetic du'as because those words can never be matched by any human being. The barakah, the meaning, the depth in those words cannot be accomplished anywhere else. But the second thing that I also encourage is dedicate a portion of your dua time to use your own words to speak to Allah. Because through this, you learn how to whisper and talk to Allah and feel His presence. Feel the closeness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ultimately, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to shower our hearts with clarity, with purity, that He brings us to His love and His obedience, that He embeds in our hearts His love in a fashion that it never leaves us, that He allows our children and our progeny until the Day of Judgment to experience moments of love, that they find meaning in their sajda, no matter where they are, no matter how great the fitnah is, if the love of Allah can touch our hearts, it could touch anyone's heart. Allah yajtabi ilayhi man yasha. When Allah wills, He reels a person in and He guides them back. No one can stop Allah. No Fir'aun can stop Allah. No Abu Jahl can stop Allah. This message will reach the east and the west and north and the south. Human beings will continue to yearn to find Allah. And when Allah guides them, they will love Him. And we ask Allah to make us from those people. Amen. We conclude with the hadith of Tirmidhi. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says as narrated by Abu Darda radiyaAllahu an. kana min du'a'i Dawood alayhi as-salam. It was from the prayer of Sayyidina Dawood alayhi as-salam. Allahumma inni as'aluka hubbak, wa hubb man yuhibbuk, wal'amalu allathe yubalighni hubbak. اللهم جعل min أحب إلي من نفسي وأهلي ومن الماء البارد رواه الترمذي Oh Allah, I ask you for your love And the love of those who you love And actions that will bring me to your love Oh Allah, make your love more beloved to me than myself, my family And even cold water May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.